Hey everyone, welcome to the Script Library Podcast Weekend Edition. I'm your host, Will Cloud, not to be confused with that snowboarder guy from Disney. Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a deviation from the standard episode format. Well, first of all, it's releasing on a Friday, not a Monday. Two, uh, it's definitely going to be a good bit shorter than normal. Uh, that's because the play I'm reading today is a scant 35-ish pages. Now, occasionally I'll have episodes like this in the future where either it's a small script or the topic is theater script-related but not necessarily a review of a script like normal. Uh, once I start kind of promoting and, and getting some stuff out for my, my own works, I'll probably use this space and this time, uh, Friday mornings or just Friday in general, to uh, do these weekend edition episodes uh, where it's not quite as formal and not quite as structured and it doesn't follow the format of I read a script and review it and talk about it. Um, you know, I'm not going to be doing this second episode every single week, but, you know, be on the lookout. I'll try to announce them uh, in the future, you know, when I have one coming up. Of just, It's just going to be more relaxed content, a little bit less scripted, Probably, maybe. We'll see how well I do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just be on the lookout for these weekend edition episodes. Like I said, they're going to be uh, different content, content that's outside of the normal uh, format uh, of the, the Monday episodes. All that out of the way, let's introduce today's script. Sorry, lies. I've got to set up why this play exists before I uh, introduce the script. Back in 2019... Marvel signed a deal with Samuel French to sort of, well, I, I say create, but revitalize the Spotlight program. The Spotlight program was a series of like one shot, sort of an anthology series from the 1970s that highlighted lesser known characters in the Marvel canon. Uh, with this new uh, Spotlight program, they commissioned three plays uh, with the intent of, of focusing on like. High, the high school drama level. Uh, now, today's play is one of those three. Hammered, a Thor and Loki play, was written by Christian Borle, and, well, you might recognize that name, and it deals with uh, Thor and Loki's relationship as brothers, all while framed inside of a comic book. Now, you might be asking through your phone, Will, aren't superhero plays really crappy? And though I can't hear you because this is a podcast and not a phone conversation, I would respond and say, yes, they usually are. Unless you've lived under a theatrical rock, you know about the nightmare that is Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Maybe they should have turned on the dark so nobody would actually see the production. Uh, but I digress. And I will say that without Spider-Man, we wouldn't have half of the Hadestown lead cast. Uh, but back to Hammered. Usually, superheroes are tricky to portray on stage. Their powers, the explosions, and effects that we're used to seeing in comic books, and more recently in movies, it makes it very hard to translate those stories to live theater. Also, you run into the, the problem of musicals in and of themselves are just very odd. I mean, if you, if you really boil it down and think about it, like, everybody's just going about their normal lives, and then all of a sudden, boom, big song and dance number. It makes no sense, but we, we buy into it anyway. Comic books and superheroes also don't make sense, and I think when you try to combine the two, it's really hard to make them make sense at the same time. But what Christian Borle and, and what Marvel has done with this entire series has scaled it down. 
uh, Thor and Loki are teenagers, essentially high schoolers, just starting to come into their own powers. And the stories are are more framed around teenagers' experiences with life than superheroes. Uh, the only time we truly see a powerful entity is like King Thor thousands of years in the future. And he's so old and forgetful and really fragile that he's essentially imprisoned on his own throne. So again, the power, the, the problem of power, if you will, or the problem of scale and scope is solved by the fact that the focus is on the problems of teenagers first and superheroes second. Um, also, before I get into anything else, the cover of the script is really pretty cool. It's uh, a comic book style depiction of teenage Thor and Loki fighting over uh, Mjolnir, or Meow Meow, depending on you know how how you want to pronounce it. Uh, so it, it's really cool because it gets the comic book vibe and it sort of you know showcases their conflict as brothers and how they both kind of were set up to be king, but you know only one of them could be. It does a really good job of, of also showcasing sort of the youthfulness and the, the uh, younger audience that this is aimed at. Uh, I will give a quick content warning, and then we'll jump into a really quick synopsis. A few crude words, a curse word or two, um, the gods' names are taken in vain. Similarly, the real life, obviously, though it's Norse gods, um, there is a scene where Thor, as a teenager is tricked into getting drunk, something that happens quite often in Norse mythology, but of course he's a teenage character in this story. Uh, and, and you could also argue um, that like dementia, Alzheimer's, like like, uh, like like aging mental health is also kind of a, kind of a subplot uh, through this story. Uh, now, now a quick synopsis. Uh, it starts in a high school and the character, the nerd, is reading a comic book, go figure. The jock, another character, happens upon him and asks what the comic is about. Um, I'd also like to take a, a moment to say that uh, the script recommends that the nerd uh, be double cast as Loki and the jock be double cast as Thor. It's kind of this, not only a way to you know give people more to do, but it also kind of is foreshadowing and a little bit of imagery. And it's anyway, it's it's all part of the story. The, the comic book itself begins with old man Thor uh, being doted on by his three granddaughters. He's ancient, forgetful, but they encourage him to remember some stories about his brother Loki. And we're quickly thrown back in time to when Thor and his brother were just teenagers. It follows them taking their exams, going on adventures, uh, fighting with each other, and through it all, you know, they learn to appreciate each other, learn to love each other, as brothers do, or don't do. Old Man Thor, after quite a few tales, comes to a realization, though, that his three granddaughters are actually his brother Loki in disguise. Uh, Loki has sort of returned from Valhalla for a moment to visit Thor and to uh, to just, you know, I don't know, I guess, I guess see him because he misses him. I don't, you know, who knows? The audience quickly realizes, though, that Loki does this every day in a sort of notebook kind of way. I guess you could you could actually say it's more of a Norse book sort of way. Uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston starring in the Norse book. Um, I'm sorry. I'm I am so sorry. You guys go ahead and and 
I, yeah, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. That was actually kind of brilliant, and you should all appreciate uh, my, my punnery. Uh, anyway, sorry, back to the synopsis. The play ends uh, with the jock, who, like I said, is very much a Thor insert. Uh, and it ends with him giving the comic book to a girl named Jane. It's almost as if fiction imitates comic book. Now, honestly, there is so much to love about this play. Uh, man, for starters, uh, the way that it's focused towards high schoolers is pretty stinking great. Uh, reading it uh, and, and then reading the copious production notes that Borel included on everything from set pieces to stage combat, it feels as if this play, and, and I would assume the other two uh, that were written for this project, were designed for high schoolers to produce themselves. It reminds me of the plays that I helped direct and stage manage for an after-school theater club a few years back. Uh, there was a teacher involved sort of in a, you know, sort of in a supervisory setting, but really the kids were kind of having to do a lot of the work themselves. And it's that sort of, like, sets made of cardboard and mustaches from Dollar General approach. Also, side note, always invest in good facial hair. Otherwise, it, it falls off halfway through the show and just turns into this hilariously bad 30-minute improv bit. Uh, but that's another story. Now, many of the characters, like I said, are, are doubled, so no one person has too little to take part in. And like I mentioned, the effects are... Maybe I didn't mention, who knows. Anyway, the effects are not so severe or detailed that a high school with a limited amount of resources couldn't do it. Uh, there's even a two-page skit to help promote the piece, should the producer deem it necessary. And there's resources on the Marvel Spotlight website to assist in these productions from like rules on stage combat to you know how to explore characters in rehearsal like like just basic almost the like acting teaching things resources um i'll include a link to that page in case you want to look at it and read some more into it hammered is incredibly accessible and for a very licensed property it's really pretty cheap to produce it I mean, I'm not. I'm no expert in what it costs to to license a show, but it's seventy-five dollars a performance, which is it's not. It's it's a good bit lower than some of the other plays that I've looked at. It's short, less than an hour long, and with nothing so incredibly difficult to learn that you know some new acting students couldn't pick up on it quickly. I mean, not to mention the fact that it's Marvel for crying out loud. I mean, what fifteen-year-old doesn't love the MCU? Like I said, the accessibility is such an important thing in theater, especially for people of, uh, like, like young people. And I sound really old saying that, and I know I'm not that old, but, like, it's something that my fiancé and I talk about a lot, is, like, introducing, like, young teens or even kids to live theater and getting them excited about it. And this show does that well. Uh, you know, as a nerd, I love the play because of how it dealt with Thor's character. I love Thor, both the Marvel character and the mythological character, and to see, like, Old Man Odinson portrayed in any kind of performative media is really cool. Uh, I love a lot of what the MCU has done, but there's so much from the comics that gets left out, uh, or, or, you know, they'll take characters in a completely different direction than what I would prefer, or, you know, whatever. Like, there's so many different, you know, universes and, and ways to take characters and storylines that 
a lot of things just get left out. And, and you know, I get to see a character that, and not just a character, but a, a version of a character that I really love and that I've even written stories about myself. So it's, it's I don't know, it's just, it's really cool to see Old Man Thor uh really kind of probably really for the first time in a performative setting. Um, and of course, you know, Christian Borle himself is, is quite a nerd. Uh, he details his love for comics during uh, the, the sort of author's note at the beginning. And it's, it's really refreshing to, to read that. There's like this strong love and passion. You really get to sort of see his heart for, for theater and especially theater at a young age. Um, there's also a really neat letter from one of the Marvel execs about uh, why they did the Spotlight Project in the first place. Really cool. Well worth the read. Uh, I always enjoy reading uh, introductory notes at the beginning of a play. This is the kind of play that makes me want to direct. Uh, to take a bunch of young high schoolers who are so full of energy and passion for something they know so little about, and to give them material that's not only good, but deals with real issues, all while set in a world that they probably all adore. Again, it's that aesthetic of, like, bedsheets and cardboard boxes creating superhero capes and castles. It's engaging, funny, heartfelt, silly. It, it's not Shakespeare. I mean, certainly not a Pulitzer Prize winner, but it's exactly the kind of language and story that fits those early years of high school. And, I'm, I mean, I'm just hoping for a chance to either see it one day or to actually get to produce it myself. Again, if you get a chance to read it, do so. It's a fun, quick like 30 minute read. Um, but it's, it's a really, it's almost, again, it's almost like reading a comic book in a way. Uh, it's just, you know, all stage directions and dialogue. Uh, well, that's the end, I guess. Sorry to kind of abruptly, you know, come to the end here, but that's the first ever, uh, SLP weekend edition episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. It's like I said, it's a lot more casual. I went off script a lot more than, than usual. Uh, and I hope that you're really excited for next week's episode on Harvey, co-starring or co-host, co-hosted by, yeah, co-hosted by my brother. Um, now, again, if you have any questions for future episodes or you just want to share your thoughts, you can find me at the Will Cloud, or sorry, I'm, you can find me at the WC Cloud on Twitter, uh, where I do almost nothing podcast related, or at the Script Library on Instagram, where everything I do is podcast related. <laughs> uh, thank you again for joining me, your host, Will Cloud. Like I said, not related to the guy from that Disney movie. Uh, and thank you for stopping by the script library. <laughs>